Father, we praise you that this morning we get to stand here in the shadow of the cross, the finished work of the victory of your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to pay the penalty for sin that we owed, an impossible debt that we could never pay. That he came and he paid it for us, Lord. He has paid the ransom that was over our heads so that we could be raised from death to life, that we could be set free from the bondage of our sin, from its power and from its penalty, and made new in you. There's no one like you. We can ask who is like you, but we know that the answer is no one. There's no one like you. There's no love like the love that you've shown to us. There's no mercy like the mercy you've shown to us or grace like the grace you've shown to us. And because of your son, Jesus Christ, we get to stand in your light and your holiness and worship you today. Not in fear as slaves or as your enemies, but in freedom as your sons and your daughters. Father, never let the hope and the joy of that escape our hearts. So, Father, now I I ask you today, this morning, that you would use your word to make us courageous, to make us bold, to make us confident in the promise of a God who has said that he will be with us and he will never leave us or forsake us, who will be with us always to the end of the age. This is the promise you've sent us with. And plant that promise in our hearts today and help us to leave this room as a church ablaze with your glory. Father, we ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. 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 You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, so good to be with you here this morning. Uh, if you're our guest, my name is Taylor Burgess. I serve here Cross as lead pastor, and we're glad to have you worshiping with us today. And what we've been doing as a church family for the last several weeks is we've been studying from Matthew chapter 28, what's known to us as the Great Commission. This is God's plan and purpose for his church and his call on the life of every single follower of Christ. I want you to say those words, every single. Now I want you to say, that means me. And when you say that means me, you're not talking about me, you're talking about you. It does, it is me, but it is also you. It's not just pastors, it's not just elders, it's not just church staff. This is the call for every single professing follower of Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as a Christian who's not participating in the Great Commission. And that's what we've tried to hammer home as a church family for the first several weeks of 2020. So week one of this message series, uh, we saw the power behind the Great Commission. Jesus makes this declaration. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So he declares his authority, and in that authority, he commands us to go. And then the next few weeks, we saw the plan that Jesus gave us. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And today, we're going to see the promise of the Great Commission, where Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's, it's been said of Alexander the Great that there wasn't a weapon in the world he wasn't injured by. And part of what has given Alexander a lot of his legendary, even somewhat mythical status across history was not just his insatiable desire for glory. Lots of global leaders have had desires for conquest and for global domination. What uh, set him uniquely apart was that he was known to be at the front of the charge, leading his armies into battle. And as a result of this, he incurred a lot of injury and went through a lot of damage. 
damage. And whether it's the military, business, or within the church, we revere leaders who don't just send us somewhere, but who then go with us. And this is what we get with Jesus in the Great Commission. What we get is someone who's not just calling us to go, but someone who sends us out and then promises to be with us every single step of the way. And this is the promise that we're going to see today in Matthew 28, is that Christ has given us a plan that calls us to go, and Christ has made a promise to go with the called. He's not just sending us out on our own, setting us up for failure. Good luck. I'll be watching in the stands. He's one who's promised to come with us, to go with us, to be with us every step of the way. He has all power. He's given us a plan and he's made us this promise. And so this morning, this is what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on that specific promise from scripture along with a number of other promises from scripture. And then we're going to use that to cast some vision for how that's going to continue leading our church uh, into 2020 and beyond. And then we're going to be closing with the time of commitment and response that's going to challenge every single person in this room who professes to be a follower of Christ, to be engaged in the great commission. So let's read one more time from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Go all the way back to verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I'm going to hit the timeout button there for just a second. We looked at this briefly several weeks ago, but I want us to just make sure we, we center this in its appropriate context this morning where this promise is coming from. I love verses 16 and 17 because it's just the raw honesty of scripture. We didn't exactly have a group of elite Navy SEALs here saying, let's go do this thing. And so, so it's really easy for you and I, I think, to look at the New Testament context and you see the fact that there's people standing there doubting. It'd be really, really easy for you and I to look down on the disciples in this moment because given the benefit of hindsight, we know at this point in time, they've seen the man Jesus. They've heard his message. They've seen his miracles, the most recent of which was this little trick of coming back from the dead. And yet they're still sitting there going, you know, I'm just not so sure about all this. And, and this should in some ways give us some hope, but I think it just shows, you know, the depravity of the human heart in a lot of ways, no matter what we see, it's never going to quite be enough. Let's, let's try to sympathize with them here for, for just a moment. Think about what's going through their minds. Think about uh, what they're feeling. This is Jesus who's conquered the grave, who has all authority over life and death. They're thinking of him. This is our promised Messiah and Savior, but they've got to be standing there thinking, listen, if this is the Messiah and the Savior, the one who has power and authority over everything, then why are we still under? Under the authority of Rome? Why is there still an oppressive religious system in place? Why does the one who conquered the grave still let people be sick and die? And why is he leaving us right now with this massive task to go to all nations with the message of the gospel, pre-digital communication, pre-air travel, pre-anything that we have today when, when even traveling by sea was extremely dangerous so, so we can maybe have a little bit of compassion on them in this moment that they've still got some uncertainties about what's going on, some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then here's the plan. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It, it's really important that we understand the positioning of the plan of the Great Commission. Now, we, we talk a lot about the plan of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize and teach them. Those are the, the instructions that were given 
in this particular passage, but Jesus doesn't just start with the instructions. Jesus starts with revelation. All authority belongs to me. All authority belongs to me. And then he closes out with this promise, a declaration. I am with you always. It'd be really, really easy for you and I to just jump right into that promise of him being with us today. But I think it's really important that we not overlook a really significant term here in verse 20 that sets up that promise. And it's this one single word, behold. Just again, put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. They don't understand what's going on. They don't know where Jesus is going. They have no idea how in the world they're gonna accomplish this task. Their heads have to be spinning in this moment. Like what in the world are we supposed to be doing here? And this is Jesus in as, as best as he possibly can trying to grab their attention. You can imagine their, their brains. You're going where and we're doing what and what's happening? Behold, look right here, guys. Look right here. Pay attention, lean in, listen to what I'm saying. I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the promise of the great commission that we are never alone. We are never alone. We see first this morning from Matthew 28 that he is present. I am with you. I am with you with you. Now, Christ is preparing to ascend into heaven, and yet he's claiming that he's going to be with them. That, you can imagine that might be a little bit confusing for them in this moment, right? So you're with us, but you're not. So what's, what's going on here? Well, how is Jesus going to be with them? Through who? Through the Holy Spirit. This is what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is an extension of that promise right before Jesus is ascending into heaven. This is what he tells his disciples. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say that word power. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power, that, that the word that's used there is dunamis. It's the same word that we use for dynamite. So just read it in that context for a second. Jesus is saying, you're going to receive divine dynamite. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what's he tell them? You will be my witnesses. That means we're going to go testify what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced. We're going to be telling these things as witnesses, going into a courtroom to give testimony. You'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem. So Jesus says, this is going to be a local mission. He says, and then you're going to go to Judea and Samaria. So it's also going to be a regional mission. And he says, and you're also going to go to the ends of the earth. So it's going to be for us a global mission. He's present He's present with us and he's present, his presence within us is our power. This is our strength. And specifically, he's empowering us to witness. There's probably few subjects that, that have Christians more confused than the person in the work of the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us, when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, again, we talk a lot about the Father and we can sort of understand that. We can talk about the Son, we can understand that because we sort of have a, a human framework and when we get into to, to Holy Spirit, suddenly we're thinking like Ghostbusters, right? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? That's an 80s reference, millennials. That's if, we, if you missed that for all of us. Like, what, what are we doing here? So we think this sort of this, this ethereal, mystical, impersonal force, but we, we see from the Great Commission and all through the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is anything but impersonal. Understand, church, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The the Holy Spirit is an I. He says, I am with you. The Holy Spirit's not a what. The Holy Spirit is a who. More specifically, the Holy Spirit is a he. That there's a lot of confusion about this sometimes within the church. People look at that word spirit and they're like, well, it's a gender neutral term. What's that mean? Jesus is clear in John 14. He says, I'll send you the helper and he will be with you. This should be simple for us. He's a person. 
Not just a mystical, impersonal force, but a person who is with us. So tie this together. Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. There's no power, there's no authority that does not belong to Jesus Christ. And now tag that with the extension of the promise in Acts 1.8. What does he say? You will receive what? All power has been given to me. And then what's he said to his disciples? I'm giving that power to you. That's what we have with the Holy Spirit. We're empowered to be his witnesses, and we have that power because he is present. Second, we see of his promise that he is constant. Not just I am with you, but I am with you always. I am with you always. The consistent testimony of Scripture is of a God who does not leave or forsake his people. This is from start to finish. Let's just, let's just take a walk through the broad overview of Scripture. We're going to look at several passages uh, just in succession here. This is from Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. This is Moses speaking to Joshua. He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Be in dread of them. For the Lord, your God, who goes with you, he will not leave you or forsake you. It's the promise from the Lord to Joshua in Joshua 1.5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 41. Fear not. Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What's the Lord doing as he's present around us? Zephaniah 3:17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. It's the promise of Jesus to his disciples in John 14. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In the extension of that promise, in Hebrews 13, the writer says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He is with us always. That means right now. Do we believe that? We really believe that? Because sometimes I'm not so sure. I'm just going to be real. I'm not so sure about me. I'm not so sure about us. I think we should put that to the test a little bit this morning. And I'm going to do it by uh, maybe committing an act of Bible Belt sacrilege here, okay? Let's talk about the song, I Can Only Imagine. And some of you are like, don't you dare. Don't you dare go there. Great song. Okay, I'll, just, I'll lead with that so you can maybe... Put down the knives real quick. Great song. It's a great song. Sing that chorus. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? We just imagine, what, what will I do when I'm in the presence of, of Jesus? Well, a, a great indicator of what we'll do in the presence of Jesus in the there and then is what we're doing in the presence of Jesus here and now. I'm going to be honest, some mornings I show up here Sunday morning, it feels like we're here with the same enthusiasm that we might have at a funeral. Just being real. There's been Sunday mornings, we've sang songs in this room. I'm talking about our church, not talking about the church, that's easy. There's been Sunday mornings, we've sang songs in this room, it's been so dead, I've about stood back up here and said, Grayson, run that back again, just till we sing it like we believe it, till we're not thinking about college football, until we're just engulfed with the glory of God in this room. There's days I've, I've felt that. 
Some of you, so, you show so much more emotion in a, in a football game or a NASCAR race. You show up on Sunday morning, you're like, I'm just not a very expressive person. Get out of here. You worship the wrong God is your problem. You don't know what it means to be in his presence because the promise of the Great Commission is that his presence is not just in the there and then. His presence is in the here and now. And when I read scripture, when I get into the word of God, when people come into the presence of God, they leave changed. They leave different. They fall on their faces and they're terrified as they're surrounded by his glory. I think we just have to stop and take some serious introspection of our hearts. It's not just when we gather here, when we leave this place, do I truly believe and live my life as if he is with me always, as if every step I take in this world is a step on holy ground because it all belongs to him. Do we feel this, church? I just, I just wonder sometimes when I look around the room, we got our hands in our pockets and we're just kind of mumbling the songs under our breath. If, if we like them that day, maybe we don't like them. And so we decide, well, I'm not going to sing right now. And I, I just wonder sometimes, do we really know what we're doing here? Do we really have any idea what we're doing here? Is there a reason we don't clap? Is there a reason we don't lift our hands? Is there a reason that we don't lift shouts of praise? Church, is he worthy or is he not? Yes, there has been a funeral. Jesus died, but I think sometimes we forget he came back. He came back. And because of that, we're alive and we're free. Do we believe that he is with us always? Because this is the promise that he's with us and he'll never leave us or forsake it. Third, we see that he's transcendent. He's present. I am with you. He's with us always. He's constant to the end of the age. He's transcendent. Matthew chapter one, Jesus is introduced to us as Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this isn't changing in Matthew 28, just because Jesus is ascending into heaven. Even before he ascends here, he's not saying, behold, I was with you. Behold, it was nice to be with you. Behold, I enjoyed my time with you. No, behold, I am with you. That this promise is going to continue even as he ascends to heaven. And this promise, he says, is good to the end of the age. And so this means from the, the conclusion of his physical first coming to the consummation of his physical second coming, this promise is good for that extended period of time. I'm with you always to the end of the age, to the moment that he comes to judge the world and establish his earthly kingdom. This promise is irrevocable and absolutely nothing can break it. And this is what Paul, this is why he can confidently say these famous words from Romans chapter eight. I am sure, confident, Certain, no doubt in my mind, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not even death itself. Because Christ has all authority. He has all authority over even death itself, which is why we should have a lot of boldness about being obedient to that plan, to take that good news to all people as we walk in the confidence of the promise that he's going to be with us every step of the way to the end of the age. So quickly here, what, what does this promise mean for us? What does this promise mean for us today? Well, very simply, we, we've seen it to an extent. The first thing it means is that we're never alone. I am with you always. We are never alone in this. Not I am with you some Sunday. I'm not with you sometimes or most of the time or when you're feeling it or when you're driving in the car and listening to Caleb and not cussing people out who cut you off in traffic. Like I'm, I'm with you always. That means when we're doing well. That means when we're reading the Bible every single day and we're praying and we're worshiping and we're giving and we're serving, we're sharing the gospel. 
It means when we're not doing well. It means when we're failing. That means when we're breaking the promise that we've made to him for the 10,000th time. And we're stuck on our sin and we can't see a way out. This is the promise of the Great Commission. I'm with you always. Church, this is really good news for us. God is way more committed to you and I than we are to him. He says, I will not leave you and forsake you no matter how many times we leave and forsake him. Understand today, just because the Lord may seem silent in your life doesn't mean that he's absent. He's, he's with us always. And there are times or seasons where it seems that his voice falls silent in, in our life. But I think if we're just being completely honest, it, it's, it's not like it's a presence problem on his part. It's generally an awareness problem on our part. But we're living today in the age of distraction. We, we just numb our minds with completely stupid junk, Right? I mean, it's just so easy to, to, to get home at night and just kind of veg out and sit on the, t- on the couch and just, you know, we're, we're Netflix binging and we're, we're Facebook scrolling and social media scrolling and, and we're just filling our minds with just, not, with just, just junk. I mean, just absolutely nothing, doesn't do anything for us to, to draw us closer to him, to open our, our hearts and minds to him, nothing that, that stirs our affections for him, if anything numbs our affections for him. Our problem is not that he's not present. Our our problem is that you and I typically are just choosing to be aware of a million lesser things. We're never alone. He's with us always. We need to meditate on that promise the times he feels silent. Second, it means that we can live without fear. This is the promise we saw a few moments ago of Hebrews 13, 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Paul asks this great rhetorical question as well in the book of Romans. He says, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And the answer is technically everyone, but who gives a rip because our God's greater? That's Paul's point. But there's only one right answer to that question. This means that we can live without fear. Third, it means that we've been given all that we need. Psalm 1611 is is an incredible promise from the Psalms. In his presence is the fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We will never have all that we need until Christ is all that we need to have. And understand, church, Christianity is not a divine spin on the American dream. It's not that you get Jesus and then the way he blesses you is just by giving you more stuff in this life. The gospel is that you have Jesus and that means you have everything you need. It's, it's the opposite of that. It means you can lose all of your money. It means you can lose your health. You can lose your home. You can lose your social status. You can lose all of these things and still have all that you need in Christ. We have all that we need because his presence is with us. Fourth, it means that we will do greater works. We will do greater works. I'm just going to read back to back here. Two just ridiculous promises from Jesus from the Gospels just straight from his mouth. And, and I just, again, just want to ask us this question this morning. Do, hey, do we actually believe this? Like, do we actually believe that, that this is, is true? John 14, Jesus says this to his disciples. I'm just going to read the Bible to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Did you guys what Jesus just said there? The man who just was going to conquer the grave, the man who was like bringing people back from the dead and healing people of diseases and was preaching to multitudes. Did you hear what he just said? Greater works than these will you do. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then another promise from John 16, verse 7. We looked at this briefly a few weeks back. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Just a simple question for us this morning. Two simple questions. Do we believe that we will do greater works than Jesus? Do we believe what he said about us? That those who have the power of his Holy Spirit will do greater works even than he has done. Do we believe, as Jesus just showed us, as we saw in, in the word here, do we believe that having his spirit inside of us is having Jesus better than Jesus physically beside us? Do we believe that? That it's better to have the power of the Holy Spirit within than to physically walk with Jesus? Because Jesus said that's better. And that we would do greater works than him. Do we believe these things? Last, it means that we can go where he calls. We can go where he calls. Again, many of us, we hear that the Great Commission, we've heard it for several weeks together as a church family now. And we've listened to the words and we've read the scripture at least twice each worship gathering for the last, for the last several of weeks. Most of us had it memorized before we even came in here. But, but, but the problem is, is, is some of us are gonna need to unchurch ourselves so that we can start following Jesus. Because we've heard it a billion times and that's the problem. And we've equated hearing it and having it memorized and the fact that we can say it in, in different biblical languages with actually doing it, but the two are not one and the same. And the, the, so the challenge for us is just simple. Are we going to respond to what Jesus has called us to do? We can go where he calls. But, but many of us are in this place where, again, we've heard it all and we've seen it all and we've done it all and nothing's new and nothing's going to provoke me and nothing's going to challenge me. And, and we're just committed to not liking it from the first time that we hear it. And it's the skepticism and cynicism and pessimism that goes with, with the people who have just be, become conditioned just to hearing it and being content to hear but never do. We can go where he calls. We can trust that his Holy Spirit is walking with us everywhere that we go. And so this is the challenge for us as a church family this morning, what we're going to spend the last few minutes on here. I want you to take out uh, these cards that are sitting on your seats this morning. They say, I am going on. There's two cards on your seat. Uh, one's a next steps card that we use every week that Dustin talked about earlier. The next is, is for this, uh, this series as we wrap things up today. Because again, we've hammered the Great Commission home for several weeks now. Christ has all power and all authority. It all belongs to him, that the plan has been clearly laid out for us. Our desire across community church is that we're just participating in the plan that he's already given, that we don't have to be clever and come up with a new one. Jesus gave a really good one, and we just want to be obedient to follow what he's given to us. And now we've seen this promise. We're not doing it by ourselves. We're doing it with the very resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. And so this morning, we're going to be just closing our, our time today looking through some potential commitments for every single one of us to begin participating in the Great Commission together as a church family. And here's why I think this is very important for us as a church family today. We are, uh, this weekend, you know, we're just barely about three years and one month old uh, from the time we first had our, our very first public worship gathering at Buford High School uh, a couple of years ago. And again, I, I'm just curious across the room, how many of you have been, well, I'll say since that first year, 2017, how many of you have been with us since that time uh, across the room? Man, praise God for that. And then how many of you joined us after 2017? You've been in the last couple of years. So, so split about 50-50 across the room from, from who's been here and, and who's not been here. And so I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little bit negative up in the front, but I promise you, just give me a second to come back full circle to it because I, I intend the very, very best for this for, for our church family. Is, is that many of you have had the opportunity coming in after that first year 
You've had the opportunity these last couple of years to reap from some ground that you did not necessarily sow. What happened for for 16 months behind the scenes before there was ever one single public worship service was a group of 40 people who relentlessly prayed and gave of their money and shared the gospel with their friends. And we launched Cross Community Church without dropping a single mailer invitation in anybody's mailbox, but just with a passion to go reach our lost friends who didn't know Jesus. And you see the fruit of that. You see the fruit three years later of what happened when 40 people sowed in the seed, who who didn't just show up to consume what was growing, but who truly sowed in the seed. So again, I don't say that negatively. I want to say this as a challenge and encouragement for all of us because Cross Community Church is no longer 40 people. Cross Community Church is now about 540 people consistently. And I want us just to ask the question, what happens now when when more than 10 times as many people as we had three and a half years ago begin sowing in that seed? What type of harvest would be reaped in this community if, if an army of God's people, 500 strong, began giving all of ourselves to this mission? just the same way a group of people has already done to lay the foundation that, that's here. And so it was also, it was about three years ago this weekend. Some of you are going to remember this. You're going to laugh at me and make fun of me. About three years ago this weekend, I, I said one of the dumbest things I've ever said in a sermon in my entire life. I've said lots of dumb things in sermons. Like that this maybe, this maybe took the cake, at least in the moment I, I thought that it did. And uh, just to give you a little bit of context, that, that morning I, I showed up um, to our worship service. And we were just at several, about six, seven weeks in at this point in time. And uh, we, we had a few hundred people come to our worship services, which was cool. But um, just, you know, started hearing that these things of people just kind of flaking out on their churches and starting to come to ours. And we were really passionate from day one about saying, listen, we're, we're not here to reach church hoppers and Christian consumers. We're trying to reach people who are far from Jesus and see them made into faithful disciples. And we've laid it out. It's like, listen, you're here. You're, you're, you're within our church family. That's awesome. But man, be here, be invested in this mission. Well, well, as, as I'm, this is, you know, the timing of this is always great. Like, uh, like two minutes before I'm about to get up and, and preach, I stepped out in the lobby really quick. I'm coming back in and someone nudged me and pointed out a family that came in that was like, hey, I heard that they, like that these were, had been key volunteers at another church locally and said, like, they told me they called their church this morning, said, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to start going over here. And that frustrated the heck out of me. But because that is not, number one, that is not how that needs to go. And, and number two, I'm just, that, that's not what we said we wanted to be about from day one. And so I got into the sermon, got towards the end, got a little bit fired up. I had that on my mind. And this is why I, 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 try, I try not to let individual situations drive things that I say in sermons. But this is definitely a time I failed in that regard. And I just laid it out to everybody that was in that room. And this is exactly how I laid it out. I said, listen, we've got a mission to preach the gospel and make disciples. We want to reach every single person that's far from Jesus Christ. So if we're just going to be your next stop on the buffet line of churches, we need you to go ahead and go because we need your seat. I laid it out just like that. And it felt great in the moment. As soon as I said it, I was like, immediately regret that. Like, filter just didn't. I was sick the week before. I I just used that excuse. I wasn't 100% yet. And, and got in the car, and honestly, I was like, but what in the world did I just do? I mean, if it, new church, that could be suicide, man. And, and then something crazy happened. That year, our church almost doubled in size in the next six months. Because what happened is we had a lot of people who said, you know what? You're right. I might not have said it the right way, but praise God, he accidentally used it for his glory and got a hold of some people's hearts. And so, so I, I, I hope I've learned my lesson in this a little bit in three years. Let me see if I can approach this a little bit more tactfully today. 
if you look around the room, this service or the next service, you will see legitimately, we kind of need seats. And there's still over 100,000 people in this county alone who today, if they died, would perish for eternity apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm just asking all of us today, are we ready to stop playing church and start believing in his promises? Are we ready to engage the mission to preach the gospel and to make disciples? Let me tell you just a little bit of what's in my heart today. More than any point in my life, more than ever, what God has burdened my heart for this year is very simple, church. I just want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see people come to know Jesus. I want to see people put their faith in Jesus Christ and see their eternity changed. More than ever, and nothing has waned for me. I still want us to be a church that dives deep into the word of God and, and keeps working through scripture every single week, verse by verse. We spent six weeks in just these, these few verses here. I want us to keep doing that together, mining the depths of God's word. But you know what I also want us to do? I want us to make it simple and understandable for people who are far from Christ. I want all of us who have heads full of Bible to have hearts that are full of the Holy Spirit and hands that desire to reach people who are far from Jesus. That's what I want. We planted this church because we wanted to reach people far from Christ. We want to preach the gospel and make disciples and baptize them, celebrate new life in Jesus. And so this morning, I, just, I want us as a church family just to kind of draw a line in the sand and ask this question, do we trust, do we believe that he is with us always to the end of the age? So, so take these cards, and there's several steps that, that every single one of us could take today to somehow engage and participate in the Great Commission. <clears throat> the first one is very, very simple. Your first step may be just to be baptized. Before you can make disciples, you have to be a disciple. We've laid this out for several weeks as a church family. If we can't engage in the mission of God, if we're not part of the family of God. You heard it from Dean's message last week. Man, some of us, again, what's going to have to happen, unfortunately, is you may have to realize you're not actually a Christian so that you can become one. Not just be informed, but be transformed. On Easter Sunday, we're going to have baptisms after every one of our worship gatherings that week. And we're going to have three Easter worship services this year. Uh, first one's going to be on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. We're trying to reach a demographic of people who can't be here on Sunday mornings because uh, they got to work or otherwise not able to be here. And then uh, same Sunday morning, we're going to do 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And listen, this is what's going to happen on Easter Sunday. Is Hopefully, we've already got some baptisms to be celebrating that day, but that day, I'm going to get up here. I'm going to share the gospel as clearly as I know how to share it. We're going to sing four songs that clearly, explicitly demonstrate the gospel. We're going to invite people to respond to the gospel, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then we're going to challenge them to be baptized that day before they leave. We're going to have everything they need here, change of clothes, towels, everything. We're going to share the gospel clearly like the, the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 that we looked at a couple weeks ago. He believed the gospel. He looked at Philip. He said, there's water over there. What prevents me from being baptized? We're going to say absolutely nothing. If you profess faith in Jesus, we're going to do that that day. And we need to start praying to that end. Second is simple, to pray Luke 10 to at, at, at 10.02. That could be a.m. or p.m. every day. We looked at this passage the first Sunday in January. The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We're supposed to pray earnestly, Jesus says. Just a simple challenge for our church family. Take your watch, take your phone, a.m. or p.m. or both. If you're an overachiever, that's awesome. 10.02 a.m. 
And listen, you don't have to go in a closet and put on a prayer shawl and enter into a three-hour season of prayer. It's this simple. Lord, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Help me to be a laborer in the harvest. And will you, by your Holy Spirit, send more laborers into the harvest? Let's commit to that together as a church to pray that. Third piece might be to lead a community group. Our challenge for you every single week is to be in a community group, but specifically, some of you, that the burden might be right now to, to actually get into the rhythm of making disciples, to coming alongside others, to helping them grow in their spiritual journey. And listen, I know there's a lot of fear that goes with that. Am I qualified? Am I ready? Am I prepared? Am I trained? We're going to come alongside you in all those things. But listen, most importantly, you have the promise of Matthew 28. He is with you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is going with you. And he's going to equip you wherever he calls you to go. The next would be to disciple the next generation. Disciple the next generation. I read a stat this past week. The Southern Baptist Convention just released uh, an annual report from the executive committee. I heard a stat that has absolutely shaken me to my core. In 1972, there were 25 million Americans aged 12 to 17. And that year, the thousands of churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, which was a lot fewer than it is today, baptized 137,667 students aged 12 to 17. In 2018, there are still 25 million Americans, there were still 25 million Americans aged 12 to 17. In 2017, there were 57,552 baptisms in that age group. That's a drop of 58% in a generation. So the problem, church, is not just that our students are leaving home and going off to college and walking away from the faith. Many of our own children are leaving our homes and leaving the church and going to the world without not knowing Jesus at all. This needs to break us. If that doesn't drive us to urgency, to, to children's ministry, to student ministry, there's opportunities you'll, you'll hear about here in just a second in the community. If this does not drive us to urgency, I don't know what will. Our kids are not coming to know Christ in the way that we've seen previous generations of kids come to know Christ, and that needs to burden us. Fifth, it could just be financial giving to the mission of the church. We saw this a few weeks ago. The local church is a global mission. But we, we give to, to advance the gospel here locally. As we, we give here locally, we're also giving globally as, as a part of this. Some of you always, you already give faithfully, regularly, sacrificially. We praise God for that. If, if this is something, maybe you've become inconsistent in a little bit, just have not trusted the Lord to provide, as we saw in Hebrews 13, that if we faithfully give to his mission, that he's going to care for us, that we have all that we need in Christ. Maybe today that, that's your, your, your next step, is just to begin faithfully, generously, sacrificially giving to the mission of the local church to build up the kingdom. Next would be to advance the gospel locally. Several good opportunities that this morning that, that I want you to hear about. These are all ministries that are supported by our budget, and we have a number of people across the board uh, engaged. If you're engaged in any way, shape, or form with Young Life, FCA, Radiance Women's Center, or the St. Helena Food Bank, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand across the room? Yeah, fantastic that this is awesome. You can see you sitting around you. Uh, right after service today, we've got four tables set up right on the other side of this curtain. You can learn about some of these opportunities, about how you can get engaged locally with the message of the gospel. Young Life and FCA. They do an incredible job uh, reaching teens, preteens within our community. Radiance Women's Center, such a critical frontline need ministering to women who are in crisis situations, teaching the value of, of, of life and coming alongside them and walking with them uh, as they strive to, to raise their children. Our church fully funds and supports the St. Helena Food Bank, feeding dozens of families every single week. They're engaged in a number of outreach activities uh, on the campus of St. Helena Elementary School, from Good News Club to just loving on the teachers that are trying to be a gospel presence uh, within that community. So if that's you 
today, check one of those boxes and then, and then follow up after uh, our worship gathering here. Connect with one of the folks at one of those tables. But the last is, is a very, very special element this morning that we're going to close with here. And for those who would say that you're going to explore a call to full-time ministry or missions, understand what we've laid it out together this morning. Every single follower of Jesus is called to participate in the Great Commission, all of us, every single one of us. But for some, there is a unique call on your life to devote the entirety of your life to serving within the local church as a pastor, as a teacher, as an evangelist, as an administrator, even student minister, children's minister, some capacity, or, or to even potentially move overseas and take the gospel message to those who have never heard the message of the gospel. Some of you have that unique burden. You might have that unique call on your life. And if that's you, what's going to happen here in just a few moments is, is I'm going to invite you to stand up in this room. If that's you, to, to, to make that known before your church family today that, hey, I, I sense the Lord may be leading me in that direction. And then uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be inviting you to some meetings where you can come and explore that call and give you some resources. And our pastoral staff wants to walk with you and help you navigate that. And we, we see so many of these things this morning. It's so easy to, to hear these and to be overwhelmed by that. I remember being in that position of sensing a call into full-time ministry and just, God, what do I do here? And there's one thing that anchored me in that moment at 17 years old. There's the promise of the Great Commission. I'm with you always. I will not leave you or forsake you. I just remember praying as a high school kid, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I think this is where you want me to go. And he's been with me every step of the way to the end of the age. He's going to be there. Paul asks us some questions in Romans chapter 10. He says, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? How are they to believe in him that they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Our feet are beautiful because our message is good. And the question today is, is not, are we sent? The question is, will we go? Because we've been sent by the one who has all authority by the one who has given us a clear plan and by the one who has made the promise, not just calling us to go, but that he will go with the called. So this morning, as, as you, you consider what your response is, just ask you whatever, maybe you, you're checking all those boxes, or you're checking one of those boxes, whatever that is, in just a moment, we're gonna have a time of communion and we're gonna invite you to bring those cards forward, and just drop them in the, in the basket as we go today, just to indicate some commitments as a church family. But before we do that, I just want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. I wanna speak to that group that I just mentioned a second ago. If there's anybody in this room, and listen, I'm, we're not gonna get up here and beg and kick and scream because I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. If you can do anything else in life and be happy, do not follow Jesus into a call to ministry. If, if you feel like you can do anything else and be happy, you do this because God has burdened something within your heart and your life. And maybe you don't know the answers and you don't know the direction and you don't know what's next, but you're willing to stay, say today, yes, Lord, I will go. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Without all the answers, without the clarity of direction, without fully knowing, I will trust you and I will walk in faith. If, if that's you today in this room, and you sense in any capacity that the Lord may be calling you to pursue full-time missions globally or ministry within the local church. If that's just you, would you slip up your hand where you are this morning? Praise God. That's awesome. Praise God. Praise God. So those of you who had your hands raised, just slip your hands up one more time. You just look right at me real quick. 
I'd love to be able to invite all of you just to come here to the front of the room and let our pastors and our elders come around you and pray for you. Is that okay this morning? That's, that's, that's all we're gonna ask you. Is that okay? Can, can, I wanna invite any of you. See, everybody else, if you keep your heads bowed for a second, anybody who's willing to come up here and be a part of that, I just wanna invite you to the front of the room right now. Awesome, praise God. And now I'm gonna ask uh, any of our uh, church staff, any of our elders who are in the room, would you guys come up here as well? Um, spouses of elders of staff, that's fine too. You guys can come if you want, that's great. And, and can we just come around everybody who's in the front of the room here and lay a hand on their shoulder, pray for them and encourage them? And you as church families, you're sitting there praying. Would you just extend one hand this direction just as a, a show of support and encouragement for them? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person who's standing here right now who has the willingness to say, maybe even if they don't know the answers or have the direction to say, here I am, send me. So Father, I, I ask that they would rest this morning in that promise that you will go with them wherever you call them to go that you will provide for them what they need every step of the way. They would know that there's a church family that loves them and will encourage them and support them and come alongside them however we can to help them fulfill your calling on their life, to take the gospel here locally or regionally or even globally for the sake of those who have not heard you and do not know your name. So Father, today will you equip them and fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, anchor them to the promises of your word. Give them what they need for every step of the journey. And encourage them, Father, to walk from this place today in boldness wherever you lead. So, Father, we, we commit them to you now. Lord, would we faithfully come around every person who's standing here today and do everything that we can as a church family to help them follow your leading wherever you call. I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Can we thank those who responded today? Praise God for you guys. You can have a seat. It's awesome. It's awesome.